All right, here we go. This is episode 10 of the the Creativity Cure podcast. Welcome. All right, y'all. So you'll notice that there's no video today if you're looking on YouTube. And that is because sometimes I need a bit of a break and I still want to put a podcast out there, but not having to edit a video uh, actually really helps me. Um, what you can do is you can help boost <laughs> my podcast on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts by clicking the link in the description. Look up the Creativity Cure, save the show. I also post there so that if you're traveling, if you're going anywhere, um, you can take me with you. Also give it five stars. Let me know what you think. Um, I even add questions on Spotify because I do want to get feedback from you. So I'd appreciate it if you do that. Um, I am going to make this episode quick and I'm going to jump right into it. We have been talking about design thinking. We've been talking about how we can practice the skill of creativity. That's what this podcast is about. We started out talking about how you define, how you empathize, how you ideate, and that's the step we're on right now. We're on ideation. And today we're going to be talking about ideation in terms of how we can collaborate with others. So the way that this series is formatted is that I talk first how you can apply the concept to yourself and then how you can apply it to work with those around you. Design thinking is a system that designers use to rapidly create products that are backed by actual research. Um, Design and creativity to me go hand in hand. And I like talking about this topic because I think there's so many life applications to some of the things that I've learned as a designer. I am a photographer, I do graphic design, I do web design, and I see how the way I learned to think in these different disciplines leaks over into the rest of my life. And so that's what I want to share today. I'm going to talk about the Medici effect, which is something that I've heard over the last year for for quite a while, but I didn't really know what it was, but it's perfect for talking about ideation um, and innovation. So let's go talk about what the Medici effect is and how you can start using it today um, to unlock new ideas and to solve problems in unique ways. Let's get started. So the Medici effect was coined by Franz Johansson, and it highlights the power of collaboration and the value of diversity in driving innovation. It emphasizes that the best ideas often emerge when unrelated fields and perspectives intersect. For example, solar panels were inspired by leaves in nature, and we're going to explore how we can apply the Medici effect in our lives. I found an article on worldofwork.io and I'm going to link it below because it was part of the resources I used to make this podcast. It gave me a lot of insights into the six rules of innovation that come from the Medici effect and I highly recommend giving it a read as well as maybe sharing if you've heard the Medici effect yourself. Um, The way I understand it is that 
the best ideas come from the crossroads of the unrelated. Johansson had these six rules and I took each rule. I looked at his original intent because he speaks a lot about education and in the corporate world. And then I thought about maybe how I would apply it in my life. So the first rule is that all new ideas are combinations of existing ideas. So combining ideas from different sources is essential from innovation. And I know that in real life, when it comes to conflict, it sounds really nice to say that, you know, we can get through our differences. We're going to all put in our best efforts and we're going to come up with a solution. But um, that's I don't think that's always realistic. And so I think that what I was thinking about was... Um, and I'm going to just pull up my notes here. Do, 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 do. Okay, here we go. So if you have had a rude awakening the first time you lived with someone, you know, that first few months when you're not super familiar. And um, at first, especially if you have siblings, right? Collaboration, diversity, and unity sounds great. But in real life, when your roommate does the dishes and they don't do them like you do, it's not so great. And so I like to think of this first rule where it says create opportunities for different ideas to be combined um, is to, before you start thinking of ideas and how you can combine them, is to first establish your values and communicate them. So one exercise you can do is something called a value quiz. And this is where you look at the foundation of the conflict of your differences, and then you write down, you can find a quiz online, or you can write down the values that you have and why you are approaching solving the problem of, say, keeping the kitchen clean differently. Um, you might value easy access to the kitchen in a non-cluttered space. Someone else may value the freedom of being able to get creative in the kitchen and enjoy their meal over keeping it clean immediately, right? Some people are like, I'll just wash the dishes in the morning. Um, and so if you can understand that one of you values the freedom of exploring in the kitchen while the other values being able to just have it always ready and prepared for them to do what they need to do, you might be able to look for a crossroads to come up with an idea. So maybe you agree that some days are cooking days for one person and not the other. That way they can do the thing how they want to do it <laughs> and then you can enjoy it the rest of the time. You might compromise in some way. You might you know, decide that you're going to not fight over how the person cooks but you ask them if they could at least clean up at night instead of waiting till the morning. So it's not an easy thing. And that's that's actually a, a good point to think about is that this isn't easy, but it is not impossible. Uh, what I am learning is that there are two ways to go about things. You can definitely fight for what you believe is right. And there may be times you are right. Or you can decide that if you're willing to maybe step into the shoes, right? Goes back to empathy. Step into the shoes of the other person. If you're willing to put out ideas that you may not completely love at first, you might get closer to something that actually works for both of you. Number one rule for innovation is that all new ideas are combinations of existing ideas.
A lot of people don't think communication is necessary and they probably are not communicating enough. So sit down the next time you have a conflict and let that crossroads happen where you can talk about what would work for both of you. How would you approach the problem? And just listen. Remember, ideating is not about making decisions yet, but it is about just opening up the door for new ideas to come about. And you never know, right? Um, so the second rule for innovation is that not all idea combinations are created equal. And what is pointed out with the Medici effect is that Closely linked ideas tend to lead to less innovation than finding ways to combine loosely linked ideas. So how I turned this into something we can use in community is that learn to lean into differences between those around you. I think it's really easy to want to hang out with people who are like us and to only get viewpoints from people we either admire or people who we think are right. But I think that it's good to lean into listening to those who are not like you. And I mean that the range can really be large. For me, I like watching my daughter. For me, that's really relevant, right? Um, Kids just do things differently. They really just think differently. Some of the stuff they do is crazy, but then also I just see that I see that in the case of my daughter, like if she wants something and she can't reach it, she's going to find a way. And I, for example, with teenagers, they develop their own way of communicating because they want to, you know, set themselves apart as cool. And they have all these like words that, you know, at one point you go from knowing everything that's in and cool. And the next thing you know, you have no idea what they're talking about, you know. And so I think it's easy to other people for that and to maybe write off those opportunities to learn, but yes, there are ways you can learn um, from the way people think, including little kids, including teenagers, including people who are generationally completely different from you. Sometimes I think it's really easy to let how an idea is communicated get in the way of it, an idea being actually useful. Um, I think for me, the challenge with my daughter is like, I always ask the question, like, outside of her not doing things that are unsafe, is what she's doing, if what she's doing is unconventional, I try to leave it alone. Because watching her, I see her linking things together and learning, and I may not always understand it all, um, but I don't want to discourage it. So one example of this is that my daughter used to sit in her car seat as a baby when it was on the floor in the house, and she would use it as a rocking chair. And I never thought of her car seat like that. I it just, you know, you don't think about it. It's just something you use. But to her, she was less interested in its purpose than to see what it could really do. And because I was just watching, I got to witness that. And it was really fun for me because, you know, when you're a mom, everything they do is amazing. Um, <laughs> and then even nature gives us ideas, um, again, connecting loosely based things. Let's, it's all about looking at unconventional places for new ideas. So for example, the airplane has some of its design based on bird wings. Um, And I say all that to say, you may have really big differences with those around you, but your perspective plus that of someone who is completely different 
opens the door to new ideas. The third rule of innovation is that more ideas lead to better ideas. So Johannes Johansson, I believe, um, he said that leaders should try to create opportunities for new ideas to rise and circulate. So I would say in a community, right, not necessarily in a business, not necessarily just in an educational setting, I think that what you should do is become a reporter, interview people, and it doesn't have to be formal, but ask a lot of questions. Ask how they did it and why and what they did. Even if it's not something you're interested in initially, I found that there's almost always something extremely interesting when you watch somebody who's just into their craft. Um, I like to ask how they came up with what they came up with, um, what was in your mind when you were thinking that, how were you inspired? And sometimes that's how you'll get stories of people having these really weird ways that they came to the ideas they have now. It's rarely like linear and, in, and a lot of times it was them experimenting or they got inspired doing something that had nothing to do with what they were successful in. It's really easy to do this with people who we think are notable, right? Like it's really easy to think of your favorite artists, think of your favorite designer or celebrity, and you wanna know everything about how they did to get to where they have gotten. But I think we need to do this more with people we encounter every single day who are successful or who are just experienced in different aspects of life. So I would say like, you know, ask somebody who has a lot of strong friendships like how did they build them? Or what is it about them? And what are some of the skills they have in that? Ask somebody who, you know, is in a field you're not in about how they grew that interest as a child and what they're doing with it now. Um, take interest in the people you walk by every day. Most people love sharing about these things and they're rarely ever asked. And I think that there's so much treasure in communicating with people and just, again, gathering ideas. And so I think the more that you train yourself to just be curious about people and to not categorize them immediately, uh, the more you're going to run into some incredible ideas on how to approach your life, the more you're going to run into incredible ideas and you're going to learn from people who have just immense life experiences. And again, I think it also applies to kids. Kids think in the funniest way. They have kid logic. And so I think even with different generations, and I'm talking, I'm I'm in my mid to late, like, I guess mid-20s. I'm in my mid-20s. So that's why I say kids, because I think of teenagers and little kids and then people older than me. But regardless of what generation you're in, I wouldn't write off um, learning from those who are younger or older than you. Um, it's one of the best things in life that... I think you can be more purposeful with. You can purposely pay attention and ask questions to really understand where people come from. Uh, maybe not in a aggressive way, but you can ask in a way that's curious and in a way that really probably will leave the person feeling great. So again, that was for more ideas lead to better ideas. The fourth rule is to plan for mistakes and failures. I probably struggle with this one the most. It's hard to really delve into the idea of failure. I think sometimes my brain goes 
to the worst case scenario um, or just doesn't consider failing at all. But I'm learning that failure is really just learning. Um, that's not to dismiss the pain of failure. It's not to say that the time or energy or money that you spent attempting something is simply, it doesn't mean anything. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that um, failure will happen. Uh, and like they said in the article, failure happens on the path to success. So to me, I want to emphasize that not only should you expect failure for yourself, just meaning that you set out to do something and it doesn't go as planned. I think you should also remember that and work to have grace for other people's failures. Other people are going to experiment and try and nobody's going to get it right every time. And so I think allowing people to have room to make those mistakes and learn um, is actually important. Um, learning not to put everything into everything working out perfectly, um, including expecting that from the people around you. I know as a parent, it's really easy to put expectations on kids to be who we weren't or we want them to be what we envision. But the truth is kids are going to learn the way they need to and that's going to involve failure. So one very practical thing I have is that for my daughter, she uh, she makes a mess and sometimes that can be overwhelming. But what I try and remember is that when she, for example, is learning how to feed herself, it's going to take a certain amount of failure of getting the food to her mouth, squishing it in her hands and throwing it on the floor for her to eventually get to the point where she just eats and doesn't make a mess, which she does pretty well now. Um, and so instead of seeing that food as waste, I see it as part of the cost of teaching her to eat. Um, and I think that practically if I focused on her failing to eat like an adult from when she was six months old and I went nuts every time that something ended up on the floor, every time she missed her mouth, um, she probably would really be averse to getting to the point where she doesn't do that. It would become a whole issue. And so uh, what I am saying is that that process never stops. You're going to learn through trial and error. And I think that in relationships, you're going to do the same thing. Not only are you going to have trial and error in your own life, but you are going to have a trial and error between each of you, you and your partner. You're going to have trial and error with your siblings, with your family. So you might attempt to solve a problem you two have one way, and it's not. it may not work. That doesn't mean that nothing will work and it will never get better. Um, I think just understanding that failure is a part of the process of building a strong relationship or a healthy family, that going a little bit backwards is part of learning to go forwards. So make space and know that it's just a necessary part of life to continually fail, learn from it, and then move forward. And really the goal is that you will be able to eventually reach your goal it's just going to take some work. So keep that in mind. Um, all right. We are okay. So now we're at number five. The fifth rule of innovation is stick to your passions because it's the best chance for success. So just like there's, there are going to be many, many failures in the innovation process, the best way to succeed 
is to focus on something that there's a great passion for. And um, the article said that this passion will ensure continued effort and drive despite repeated failure. Following passion is a great rule. I am passionate about photography, fine art, mental health, technology, design, and because I'm passionate, I'm always excited to explore and think of new ways to combine my interests. Um, honestly, this podcast is the crossroads of talking with other people. It's the crossroads of my interest in mental health, my interest in um, becoming my interest in sharing about design. It's a mixed message, all the things that make me, me. For me, I love applying things I learn in one area to another area of my life. Again, that weird effect of, you know, I was listening to this business coach over here and now I'm applying it into my design style, even though it has nothing to do with what I learned. But there was just something someone said over here that I always kept with me. And it, at the right moment, it crossed paths with something that I needed to do. For me, I've actually been working the past year to further follow my passions and to get really specific with what I own, what I spend my time and energy on, what I develop ideas for. Because I get a million different ideas. I have had countless people come up to me and say, Bethany, you should do architecture photography. You should do wedding photography. You should do uh, volume school photography. And I actually wouldn't mind doing all of those, but the reality is my energy <laughs> only goes so far. So I try to say like, okay, I can do all of that, but I'm going to follow the ideas that are aligned with what I'm passionate about. And so I'm passionate about art. So I stick to more fine art photography. Um, I have a family and I'm very relate, find I find my clients very relatable in that space. And so in my fine art photography, I still hold that place for the families. But no, right now I am not doing architecture photography because it is interesting, but no, it's not my passion. So um, I have found a lot of the opportunities I've had come because I would just be into my passion. So I think one way this can apply, especially working with other people, is that when you are solving a problem, find a way to bring your passion into the problem solving. Um, so by bringing your passion into that conflict, you can approach it with, I think, I think you're almost like tricking your brain to work on it more than it maybe would if you weren't interested um, you can do this with boring tasks that you have to do, right? Like if you have to fold clothes, could you make it a point where you listen to like your favorite music? Um, and then you can do this with people. When you have a conflict come up, find a way to find, no, find your why and then stay motivated to collaborate and endure through up and downs by involving the things you're passionate about in that. Um, in the example of fighting over the kitchen and how it's going to be cleaned, how can you bring your passion into that? For me, um, I like baking. And so sometimes I just use, so, so for me, I can motivate myself to do my part in the kitchen by being like, after this, I'm definitely going to be making cookies because I want to and it's fun. 
Um, and that's my little reward. Um, and that's my way of getting my brain to be like, this is worthwhile. Because <laughs> sometimes I'm just, I'm not feeling it, you know? All right. So innovation rule number six is that everyone has the ability to combine divergent ideas and concepts in the pursuit of innovation. Leaders should be role models and encourage their teams to step out into the intersection and should create cultures that reward doing so. So rule number six was step into the intersection and unleash an explosion of ideas. That's very dramatic. (laughs) Um, So for rule number six, which is also going to double as my conclusion here, it's going to take work, but when working with other people, be that safe place where they can try out ideas, at the very least that they can speak about them. Uh, One thing I'm trying my best to do, and I find it very difficult because I like to talk, is I'm trying to work on just letting people solve their own problems by being the person who's there to discuss it with them without offering you know, advice immediately. Sometimes people just need to work it out out loud. They, they, sometimes they do need the ideas, but I think that I want to be the person who helps someone spark the idea that gets them to where they want to go. And I want to be the person where someone feels like they aren't capable, but then I'm sitting there and I'm just listening to them and maybe asking insightful questions and they're able to rethink something that previously was just a roadblock in their mind. That's the kind of person I want to be. And I want people to feel like they can just kind of explore around me without feeling like I'm immediately going to give them advice. Now, again, this is aspirational, but I think it's a good goal to have uh, to practice letting people explore their thoughts, not you know, not immediately shooting people down when they have an idea that you don't like or agree with, or maybe you think it's weird, or maybe you think it's a bad idea, you know, but being there and just walking with them through their own exploration. I think if you are that kind of person, um, and you're always looking for those opportunities where you can just work with different people or or engage with different ideas, I think you're going to find that success will chase you down because again, the Medici effect works. The crossroads of your thing with someone else's produces some crazy ideas. Um, I guess I might have to look some of them up. Um, Like I said, uh, a lot of scientists will study nature to find solutions to our modern day problems. And that was the solar panels, right? They studied leaves and they were able to translate that into a renewable energy source. I don't know if it's renewable, but I know it makes energy. Uh, anyway, <laughs> all right, so that was the Medici effect. I hope that it makes you open your eyes a little bit more today, and I hope that the next time you are tempted to get frustrated because you're about to fight over something going on in your house again that you stop. And again, remember, we're trying to solve problems and not solve people, and I think that that is much harder to do than it is to say. In fact, I saw um, I saw this post and it was just talking about building a relationship and it said something that was hard to sit with. It said that, you know, you can't control how other people behave. You can control how you react to their behavior. And so I think that is true. 
Um, you're going to run into conflict. We talked about empathizing with others. We talked about really identifying what the problem might be. And now this is about collaboration and coming together to think of ways that you can produce something new. How, you, how can you innovate on a problem and solve it, um, even in your personal life? Um, how can you do this with the people who you live with? to create a home that you enjoy together? How can you do this in your family to maybe uh, re like to maybe bring some balance and some healing to strained relationships? Um, I want you to invite creativity in to really use it again as a tool to engage your entire life. Um, the world we're facing, you're gonna need growth mindset. You're going to need to be flexible. You're going to need to be able to change and adapt. And that is really hard to do already, but it's even harder if you're not willing to do it regularly. So that's what the Creativity Cure is about. We are here to talk about how you can exercise that muscle of creativity, not just by picking up a paintbrush, but by engaging your brain to think unconventionally so that in the moment you need that create that creative thinking to solve your problem, you're able to hopefully come up with something amazing. So, hey, if you like this podcast, please share it, like it, subscribe. Also, please email me any questions you have. Um, my email is bethany at bethanyjphotography.com. I also have freebies in the comment section below. I made these really cute illustrations you can just um, share and inspire yourself with. And that is all I have for today. Visit bethanyjphotography.com for more. My name is Bethany Joy, and this has been the Creativity Cure, episode 10. I will see you in two weeks for episode 11. I'm super excited, and thanks for listening.